following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. The greatest time of the year is back. College basketball. That's right. March Madness, March Mania, and March Money. Join in on everyone's favorite game, the Bracket Challenge Contest at betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account, receive your 50% welcome bonus, and make your picks. All the early lines for all the games are now available, so don't miss out on any of the action for the next three weeks at betonline.ag, the exclusive partner at Podcast One Sportsnet. Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. Before we get going, just want to mention this interview with Danny Ryland, commissioner of the National Women's Hockey League, was recorded well before the U.S. women's hockey team took home the Olympic gold against rival Canada. Otherwise, you'd definitely hear me discussing it with Danny. And now, on with the show. It's my great honor today to have Danny Ryland as my guest. Danny uh, played hockey with the Northeastern Huskies team, and... Uh, Good, good, good team up there. Uh, very competitive ice hockey, and Danny launched the National Women's Hockey League in March of 2015, and she's currently the league's commissioner. Hi, Danny, and welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I gotta uh, say, you seem to have this real entrepreneurial spirit. You know, uh, looking at uh, your sort of resume here of accomplishments, and you know, going back to Northeastern. You obtained a hawker and peddler license from the city of Boston <laughs> before Red Sox games. You, you uh, lug coolers filled with bottled water uh, onto Ipswich Street near Fenway Park and, and were selling them for a couple of bucks. And uh, after that, of course, before you uh, came to start the league, you uh, moved to New York and opened a coffee shop in, in East Harlem called Rise and Grind. Where does this entrepreneurial spirit come from, Danny? Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess I've had it from a young age and have always been a self-starter and um, also just, you know, see opportunity. There, My apartment was right down the street from Fenway Park and um, early April, I was seeing herds of people walking there and I was, you know, just thinking how I didn't have a summer job yet and it made a lot of sense to, to put up a, a water stand on the corner, and um, that was branded Hydration Nation, and I was very much known as the water girl that, that summer. And then um, moving to New York City after graduating, uh, there was another opportunity to have a storefront up in East Harlem, and um, then Rise and Grind came into existence. And now with the National Women's Hockey League, it was just a, another untapped market and opportunity to, to come in and disrupt and, um, and start a, a hockey league. And taking a moment to thank our supporters, Amica Insurance, Varidesk, and Rocket Mortgage. More about these companies later in the show. Where did the sort of the uh, idea of a women's hockey league come from? I, I, I believe prior to uh, starting your league, there was really only one league in North America, or maybe the entire world, as a matter of fact, and that, and that was the Canadian League. Yes, and that's exactly how my idea started. It was just an idea. Um, I, I noticed that there there wasn't much opportunity for women to continue to play at the highest level after college, and uh, the idea started as one team, and that kind of quickly snowballed into a league, and and now here we are um, in our third season. It's been uh, it's been quite the experience. Danny, when you were playing at Northeastern. Uh, did a lot of women ice hockey players sort of bemuse the fact that? 
you know, uh, I love to play hockey after my college days. You know, I wish there was a league, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, any athlete who's dedicated their entire life to a sport definitely has that that desire to continue to compete at the, the highest level. Um, I mean, it, it becomes a part of your identity, really. And so to, to compete at the NCAA level or the highest college levels and then have nowhere to go after, um, there's definitely uh, a disconnect. So um, I think it was common talk uh, at the college level, like, what do I do next, whether it's career, family, or, or competing at the sport or kind of all of the above. And, and we've been able to provide that, um, that opportunity for the women in our league. How does one go about starting a league? You know, uh, uh, take me back, please, to, okay, you have this <laughs> idea. I mean, what do you do next? Yeah, well, first you surround yourself with a lot of great people. Um, you need to have that, that support to, you know, not only – you know, believe in you and believe in the vision and believe in, in the opportunity, but also um, to lean on when, when the times get tough. And so um, I guess just like starting any other business, the most important thing to do is start um, and then, you know, take the, the right action steps to, to make it successful. What were some of those steps that you did and some of the key people who you connected yourself with early on? Yes, yeah, so I guess like some of the key people were definitely the people I've met throughout my hockey career, really. Um, and, you know, the hockey world, they say, is uh, is very small, and that definitely rings true at, at every level, even um, even in the pros. And so um, I think those people uh, were really supportive and said, you know, Danny, I believe in this. This should exist. You know, how can I help? And, um, you know, there were definitely enough helping hands to to make it work. And then, um, then it became just putting the pieces in place, finding rinks, finding players, um, finding um, seed money and other people who believed in this and wanted to invest in the opportunity. And it wasn't um, ever a, a charity case. We've always seen this as a business um, with opportunities to scale uh, the same way that the men's leagues do. And, and I believe the Canadian League does not play, pay its players uh, as your league does. Is that correct? Yes, we are the, the first paid professional women's league in North America. Danny, how about your dad? I know he's had some involvement in the National Hockey League. Uh, was he someone that uh, gave you some advice or help? Yes, he's uh, he's never been one to give unsolicited advice. So anytime I go to him and ask for it, he's always uh, willing to give it. So it's uh, it's been a great um, you know, uh, relationship to have, obviously, with, with my dad having his experience um, working in the marketing and advertising side of uh, the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's been a, he's been a great resource. Was there any one key, key piece of advice or suggestion that he made uh, that you could point out over and above the others that, that has really helped you? Um, I think just kind of what he's uh, ingrained in me as, as a leader and as an entrepreneur um, has really been the, the biggest takeaway. He's uh, always been su- supportive of me and um, has kind of given me the courage to take risks, which um, you know, obviously, starting something like the National Women's Hockey League takes a, a bit of courage and risk, and um, and he's always been supportive of that. Why do you think uh, women's ice hockey has or took longer to get started in the United States than, say, uh, the WNBA women's basketball or uh, you know uh, other sports? Uh, in professional softball has in, in the United States? 
You know, it's really all about timing, and, and our timing has never been better. Uh, you know, coming off the 2014 Winter Olympics, the women's gold medal game, U.S. versus Canada, uh, was actually uh, the most watched event on NBC. Yeah, I mean, any that killed event. me that game. It, <laughs> I, I, I remember yeah. standing there at Forbes, and there were TVs, and, you know, the U.S. had the lead. I think they were behind, came back, yeah, took the lead, and then Canada taught, and just. I couldn't leave the screen. You know, I had to go yeah. to my office to do work, and I just couldn't pull away. I mean, just like died when they lost that game. It killed yeah. me. But, but I'm sorry, I cut you off. Uh, no, uh, I was going to say, but it, you, it's exactly it. I mean, what an amazing hockey game. It had all of the elements. I mean, not only did it go to overtime, the post, the, the whole nine yards. I mean, it was just an amazing hockey game. And any fan of the sport could watch it and say, wow, these women – are really great athletes. This is a fast-paced game, and it, it had a professional caliber to it, and um, and had that broadcast value. You know, people, some people didn't even realize they were watching a women's game until you zoomed in, and you know, you saw their mascara, their ponytails, and you're like, wow, like this is this brand of hockey is ready for the professional stage. And um, so, I think the timing was right for when uh, we came onto the scene in 2015. Has the National Hockey League helped your efforts? Yes, they've been uh, incredibly supportive. Actually, um, this season, our uh, our New York club uh, rebranded to the Metropolitan Riveters in a partnership with the New Jersey Devils, and our uh, Buffalo club was uh, just acquired by the uh, the Pagulas with Pagula Sports and Entertainment. Yeah, uh, yeah, that uh, Kim Pagula uh, is very involved. You know, they own the Buffalo Sabers, of course, as well as the Buffalo Bills, and uh, I know she's a big advocate and has been successful at getting more women involved at the executive level uh, and and working with professional sports teams. So I have to imagine she's been terrific. Yeah, she has definitely been our uh, internal champion up there and uh, you know, very grateful for her commitment, not only to the city of Buffalo and women in Buffalo, but uh, we believe that this deal that, that she's done with us, um, with our, our Buffalo club is really going to uh, put us on a different level. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/forbes. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number three zero three zero. And this podcast is brought to you by Amica Auto Home and Life Insurance. When you call Amica, you can expect a different experience because Amica is all about customer service that goes above and beyond the ordinary. You always get the help you need when you call Amica. 
Visit meetamika.com slash Forbes today. So I'm sure, or I should say I'm hopeful that uh, a lot of our listeners are uh, entrepreneurial wannabes and, and particularly in the sports area. And uh, give a little rundown, if you will, please. What's your typical day like during the course of a season in terms of all the different hats you have to wear and all the different responsibilities you have? Well, I think that's exactly it. When you have so many hats to wear, there's no such thing as a typical day. But, um, I mean, it's it's really across the board. There are some days that are, um, you know, we get to focus on business development and think about expansion. Um, and there are other days we're in the nitty-gritty of, um, you know, game day elements and you know, making sure our, our weekends are successful, um, putting on great events for our fans. So, um, really across the board, uh, there's, I don't think I've had two days that have been identical in the last three years. What have you, uh, did you have resistance? I mean, uh, obviously you're a woman and as far as being a commissioner in any sport, you're young. I think you're 30 years old if my math is right. Uh, has that been a detriment in any way in terms of people being biased against you? Um, I, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things you don't know if people are being biased and, and you know, until, um, you know, that it presents itself, I guess. But um, I think it's been um, a good thing, you know, kind of coming on uh, into the into the sports world with uh, a lot of energy um, and a lot of uh, courage to to go out and ask the ask for support, ask for sponsorships, ask for you know ways to to grow the business and have the confidence to to hear no a hundred times until we hear a yes. So uh, I think it's been. Um, it's definitely been an interesting couple of years, but I, I don't think that uh, my gender or my age has been uh, has too much of a challenge. Well, that, that's great. Uh, it's great to hear. Um, you know, we were talking about the uh, Canada-U.S. Olympic game the last time, and, and I always go back to, I, I don't know, it was 94, 98, somewhere around there, where for the women's soccer team in the Olympics, you know, there was that great game where they, 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 they uh, won the gold medal. It sort of helped uh, give... U.S. women's soccer in this country, a big push. Do you think this Winter Olympics could, could do the same thing for women's ice hockey in, in general and in particular maybe for your league? I imagine you have some players playing in the Olympics. Yes, I mean, we definitely expect there to be uh, another spike in uh, girls' registration across the United States following this Winter Olympics. Um, since 1998, uh, the first year that women's hockey um, was introduced to the Olympic Games. Uh, there's been a, an atypical spike in registrations, and we've actually noticed a, a jump and an increase since we launched in 2015 as well. So um, we definitely expect that growth to continue um, after this Olympics as well. And um, it, we, we hope to to welcome the the women back to the league with you know hopefully gold medals around their necks. You know, it's in any business. It's the first couple of years uh, are very tough and can be very crucial. Um, what has been the response from the players in your league? And by that I mean, uh, I imagine you hear from them constantly in terms of suggestions, things they like, don't like, and, and uh, uh, are most of them staying in the league that, that have been there since the beginning? Yes, we've actually had uh, quite a few women who have uh, been in the league since our inaugural season. And, um, you know, I think it's been great to work with them. They know that we're a startup. They know that we're gritty. They know that we're, you know, doing whatever we can to, to bring this business to the next level. And they're our biggest advocates. Uh, I mean, they're great role models, not only for the next generation, but, but for women as well. Like every 
what every player in our league has a day job and then they're professional hockey players by night and you know being able to tell their stories and having them commit to our growth as well um, has been uh, inspiring to watch and it's been great to have all of their support uh, the last three years. As much as you can Danny can you give us a little idea in terms of the economic model of the league in terms of what are the key sources of revenue and uh, expenses, and in, and in particular, you know, the salary cap, how that works into uh, the overall model of the league? Yeah, so um, like any other sports business, you know, we have our, our tickets and, and our merchandise, but really where we want to focus and scale is on the, the sponsorship side and, and the media side. Um, we believe that we have a great game, and improving our product has been our, our mission the last three seasons, and uh you know, brands are definitely starting to take notice. Uh, we recently signed a distribution deal with Twitter this past off season to help uh, broaden our fan base and uh, you know, generate uh, more traction and awareness uh, across the globe. And uh, it's it's been uh, a, a great opportunity for us to to showcase our our product, our our brand of hockey. Um, and you know, with that, will you know make for for easier. Uh, sponsorship conversations as as our reach um, increases. It's a it's a kind of a it's a cyclical thing. You know, you need the need the distribution deal to get the sponsors. Sometimes you need the sponsors to get the distribution deal. But um, existing in the first place, improving our product has been um, kind of our, our number one goal the last uh, few seasons. Um, and, and as far as the expenses, the, the salary cap, um, the players uh, make between five and seven thousand dollars a season. Um, and it's a tiered tiered system and uh, even uh, with the acquisition of the the Buffalo Club by Pagula Sports and Entertainment um, the salary cap is staying the same across the league that was a a hot question um, after that deal was um, inked and of course as a coffee lover I took special notice that Dunkin Donuts uh, was I I, I think they still are one of your big sponsors is that correct they are yes they all right they sponsor us uh the league all four of our teams and all of our players as well and um you would uh be hard pressed to find a player in the league that's not um constantly promoting and um, embracing duncan for their support of professional women's hockey you know you're talking about twitter streaming um and of course uh the ability to distribute content uh online so, you know, even you look at uh, the NFL has Amazon and the National Hockey League did that deal a couple of years ago with BAM Tech, which is the uh, streaming arm of Major League Baseball advanced media. More and more people, you know, my, my nephews who are like 20 and, and, and 17, they, they don't watch sports like their old uncle does so much on the big TV screen anymore. You know, they're watching it on their handheld device. I would think that 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 could be uh, an area where there's some big opportunities, whether it be with Amazon, Facebook, you know, any of these uh, applications that are also involved with social media. Oh, for sure. I mean, we are unbelievably blessed that we were born into this, you know, digital and social media era. Uh, I'm not sure our fan base would have grown as exponentially as it did if it wasn't for the day and age that that we launched. So um, the more opportunities that continue to present themselves, you know, the, the better off we are um, in growing our fan base and, and, and finding the, the next best platform for us to, uh, to partner with. So as we sit here today, how many teams are there in the league uh, getting set for the next season? I was reading a fact recently where you were contemplating perhaps expanding in Pittsburgh, which I found very interesting. 
Yes, um, we hosted our all-star game in Pittsburgh last year, partnered with the Penguins, um, and it was fascinating. Our fan base grew 15% in the month of February alone just by going to a new market. Um, and this upcoming season, uh, actually next weekend, um, we are going to uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, partnered with the Minnesota Wild um, for our skills competition and all-star game. So um, it should be uh, interesting to see what kind of growth we see after this season. Uh, but yes, we have... Um, kind of honed in on a few markets that we believe would uh, do well in the National Women's Hockey League, and uh, we're pursuing those opportunities uh, as we speak. At the end of the day, Danny, do you see this league where all of the teams are going to be owned, at least in part, by National Hockey League owners, uh, or will it be mostly uh, still the original investors who uh, put the money into this league? I mean, it's all about uh, boots on the ground and, and quality of owners. So if we can get our clubs in the hands of the the best ownership groups and uh, the groups that really know this industry the best, which is, you know, Pagula Sports and Entertainment, it is HBSE um, in, uh, in Newark. And I mean, those are the groups that we believe will help us scale and bring our league and our teams to the next level. So uh, I think that is kind of the next phase of this business is uh, being able to, uh, to match up with those ownership groups. How much money, you know, what, what's the cost? What was the cost to get this league off the ground up and running that you, that you had to get in from all the investors? Uh, yeah, we've, we've raised a couple million dollars over the last three years um, to get the league to where it is now. And, um, and now we're kind of hitting this interesting stride of, um, you know, not necessarily like getting close to profitability, but but getting to a point where we're able to um, do transactions like the one um, up in Buffalo that um, kind of give credibility to the business um, and give credibility to the the valuation and the the value that that we believe exists um, in the women's game. So um, it's it's an interesting phase that we're at. But um, to answer your question, we've raised a couple million dollars over the last three years. Do you do you? Like me, sometimes, do you shake your head at how all of these professional leagues, it seems now, are partnering uh, in some sort of esports venture? I- I'm just wondering, it would seem that your demographic would be perhaps prime for something like that. You know, young audience, an audience that likes to view content digitally. Uh, have you given any thoughts? See, I'm, I'm already trying to like partner <laughs> up with you and give you an idea. I'm not, I'm not yeah. you know, I'm just throwing this out there. You can ignore it if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fascinating business and see what's going on on the eSports side. Um, and uh, I know that HBSE is involved there as well. So um, I'm not as familiar as I probably should be, but uh, it's definitely an interesting landscape. And taking a quick break to say this year, the office cubicle turns 50 years old. It hails from an age when work was done on typewriters and smoking at your desk was the norm. Today, employees are expecting more from their workspace. They want flexible and active spaces where they can collaborate and feel energized. Varidesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement to any workday. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, boost energy, and increase productivity. Varidesk has a variety of desk solutions that replace traditional office setups, require little to no assembly, and are ready to use in minutes. Plus, Varidesk products are made from commercial-grade materials meant to last a lifetime. They're easy to move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. 
You can try Veritas risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns if you're not satisfied. See it for yourself at Veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. What has been the most difficult part of your job? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I every challenge I, I find uh, is is what I, I love about this job, um, and that there are new challenges uh, pretty pretty consistently. Um, I mean, the challenges are the hardest part, but they're also the most gratifying. So, I mean, I, I think every every day um, and, and really you know, figuring out the best way to, to scale this business and um, bring it to the next level is, uh, is the most difficult part, but also the most rewarding and challenging. Interesting. Uh, do you guys have a relationship with USA Hockey? I mean, I, I would imagine that uh, in terms of international competition and things like that, uh, uh, have they been able to help you guys at all? Yes, uh, USA Hockey's been been great partners, and you know it, they've noticed that the average age of the national team player is um, becoming a post collegiate player. A majority of the women on the, the Olympic team right now are they're post collegiate athletes, and um, they need a, a league to train in and um, and to play in after college. and And we've provided that opportunity for a lot of their players, and um, we actually played our uh, kind of a unique series of games um, for sport um, a couple weeks ago we put together team nwhl which was comprised of uh, 22 nwhl all-stars and sent them down to tampa florida to play the u.s olympic team um, in a two-game series down there and uh, it was kind of their their last uh, tune-up before heading off to pyeongchang and i think that was really eye-opening for for our players as well as usa hockey to see just how much talent is in the women's game right now and, and that depth of talent and um, the opportunities that you know these women will continue to have you know for 2022 and and beyond uh, I think was was pretty enlightening Danny tell me about you can play I, I found it uh, really interesting uh, that you started that that partnership so uh, new into the formation of your new league uh, and of course, the story of Harrison Brown uh, coming out and announcing he was trans transgender, I, I found uh, uh, very warming in terms of that, how that played into the whole league and how the other players uh, accepted that. Yes, I mean, it was an opportunity for us to put our money where our mouth was, I guess. I mean, we've always said that uh, we are an inclusive league and um, we embrace diversity. And, you know, when Harrison Brown approached me uh, before the start of our second season uh, to tell me that, that he was coming out and wanted us to respect his, his pronouns and, and who he identifies as, um, and, you know, it was, it was a no-brainer. It was, yes, however we can support you, um, the same as we would, you know, the other, you know, 80 women in the league. So uh, I think it was, uh, it was really great for, for Harrison to, um, to have the confidence uh, with us and with you can play um, next to us uh, to come out and um, and be his true self. Um, so it was it was a great thing for for our league, for our players, for you can play, and, and really for sport. Is Harrison still playing? He is. Yes, That's he's uh, on the Riveters right now. That's great. Yeah. Um, so getting back to Pittsburgh, I, I going back there because Mario Lemieux, I, I find to I found to be one of the 
most unheralded of the really successful owners in all of sports. And, and a lot of people uh, forgot that, you know, the, the Penguins were either on, I forget, on the verge of bankruptcy or they went bankrupt. I mean, he saved that franchise. I mean, they owed him money. And rather than take that money, you know, took equity, some risk equity in that team, turned it around. You know, they, they won the cup the last two years. Yeah. A phenomenal story. When, when Have you gotten to meet him and, and, and talk shop with him? You know what? When I met him, uh, I was actually playing in the first women's college game in Pittsburgh at Northeastern uh, and against RMU, um, at which was at the time the XL Energy Center. So um, I that was the only time I met him was out out then. So I doubt he remembers meeting me, but I look forward to uh, to meeting him in the hopefully the near future here. You know, I think it was uh, last year, last season, where the players had to take a sharp pay cut in your league. Yet, as you talked about uh, earlier, most of them uh, have stayed in the league. Um, I have found that, or you know, when I look at examples of when leagues go through tough times, whether it be a lockout, a strike, or, uh, uh, you know, you look at, for instance, the Miami Marlins right now, uh, Derek Jeter, who's the CEO, is getting a lot of criticism because people are saying, he wasn't forthcoming with, let's say, Giancarlo Stanton and, and about his trade options and, and his plans for the team. Uh, do you think these people stayed because they were aware you had communicated to them exactly sort of what was going on in the league? I think that they stayed for many reasons. Um, and I think the biggest reason is because they believe as much as I do that this league should exist. Um, and the alternative to not adjusting the salaries was bleak. If, if we couldn't get through that, then, you know, we, there might not be another season. So um, I think they're as committed as, as the, the league staff is to adapting and evolving um, and doing what's best for the, for the league and the game. And um, I mean, it was uh, definitely the hardest conversation I've had to have the hardest decision I've had to make um, here at the, at the league. And, um, you know, I was very grateful that they were, the players were as understanding um, and, and receptive um, to the change as they were. Um, but I mean, like any, any startup business, um, and like you said, probably many men's leagues, um, you, you have to take these um, challenges and, and come up with the right solution um, to continue to uh, adapt and evolve. Danny, has it been a big advantage uh, being commissioner, the fact that you played hockey at Northeastern? I guess I wouldn't know any other way, but I, I think so. You know, being able to, to relate to the, to the players um, and, you know, having uh, really hockey in my blood, I think, is, um, is always a, a good thing. Um, you know, there's, there's no doubt that I um, have uh, a lot of passion um, and love for the game and, and want to do its best for it. So uh, I think it, it, it Hasn't hurt, for sure. Is there one person in particular while you were at Northeastern that uh, served as uh, a mentor over and above anybody else, particularly as you've uh, uh, gone on and started this league? Uh, you know, my coach, uh, David Flint, was um, un an unbelievably positive uh, role model for me. Um, he never I – I came in as a, a walk-on. Um, and he gave me that opportunity to to work hard, prove myself. And um, by my, my last year, I was actually the captain of the team. And I think that 
the opportunity that he gave me to, you know what, Danny, we'll give you a spot. You just have to kind of prove yourself and kind of take that opportunity and turn it into um, a, a decent career at, in college was uh, meant everything to me. So I feel like I, I owe my continued um, love for the game to, to that opportunity that David Flint gave me. Uh, the Winter Classic. Uh, I, you know, I think it's been one of the great things that hockey's done over the past several years. Um, you guys had one. Do you, how was it? Uh, was it successful enough that you're going to have another? Uh, that, that's definitely up to the NHL um, if they um, want to host another Winter Classic, but women's Winter Classic. But I think it was a great opportunity um, for us to you know, walk out um, into Gillette. I mean, I, I wasn't even playing, but just to walk out um, into an NFL stadium was just, um, spectacular. It was a, it was a beautiful day. Um, and we did have a, a tragic injury. Um, Dena Lang, um, suffered that, um, uh, during that game. Um, and it definitely, uh, I think helped unite, um, the hockey community. Um, but, um, you know, with that said, I hope that we do have opportunities to, to play on larger stages and partnered with, um, partner with the NHL on different events moving forward. What, what, do, you, what do you make of the NHL uh, not sending players to the Olympics, the Winter Olympics uh, this year? You know, I, I talked to Gary Bettman about it, and he was just like, you know, the, the reason, main reason was clearly the uh, Olympic Committee did not want to pay any of the expenses uh, that the league or players were going to incur, and he was like, you know, it's it's a long period of time. In the past, they had they had, and uh, it's just not uh, it's just not right. Um, are, do any of uh, does your league or any of your players get any help for this? And and uh, you know, it just seems like it's such a tough choice because you know the publicity, as we talked about earlier, can be so great. Yet, you know, if if you got to pay a lot of money to do it, you know. Uh, I could also see it being not worth it. Yeah, I mean, uh, selfishly for the National Women's Hockey League, it's not necessarily the worst thing that, uh, you know, there will be a, a bigger, brighter spotlight, hopefully on the, the women's game uh, during the Olympics. So um, I'm, I'm sure the, the NHL um, had their reasons and, um, you know, I, I definitely support their decision. Um, and I think that the, the Winter Games will have a, a great spotlight on the on women's ice hockey this year. Danny, what's your ultimate vision for the league? I mean, I, I think this, this league grows um, pretty fast. Um, you know, whether it's six teams in the next couple of years or you know, nine or 12, um, you know, maybe following the next Olympics after 2022. Um, I think that, uh, that growth will exist. And uh, I think there's a, a big, media opportunity um, in the wings for the NWHL as well. Uh, so that's kind of the, the ultimate vision is to, uh, to land a, a linear broadcast deal and to have, the, 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 have a handful of teams uh, across the United States and across North America. And, and do you think even down south and, and out west like the NHL has done? I mean, you would be shocked at the uh, the interest that we do get from some, some markets that don't necessarily uh, – ring hockey but um I, I think that we probably start in the traditional markets um that that make a little more sense for uh for where the grassroots uh, game exists um the strongest and then uh, maybe think outside the box from there 
Well, I know you have like a million things you have to do today, but I do want to ask you one more question, if I may, before I let you go, Danny. And that is, I know you have a big following on Twitter. I'm assuming that uh, uh, there are a lot of young young people out there that ask you questions and they want to inquire about, you know, uh, your advice on certain things. Uh, am I right? And, and if so, what are the type of questions you most often get and, and what's your response? Oh, dear, that's such a tough question. <laughs> I mean, the, the questions um, really range, um, which I know is a cop out to your question. But, um, you know, I, I think for the the self-starters out there and, and the, the women who want to uh, take on a challenge and, and want to know what it takes, uh, you know, my answer is to start. Uh, the first lesson that, that hockey teaches you when you're learning to skate is to fall down and get back up. So, um, not being too risk adverse um, and taking on those challenges and, um, and really just starting is the, the biggest thing. So that's probably the most frequent business advice that I give, I'd say. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, kind, I'm glad to hear that because my, my daughter is 10 and she loves softball, uh, loves soccer and tennis. Uh, getting around on skates okay, but quite hasn't gotten there. And, and I told her I – I said, you know, because I saw her being a little apprehensive. She's almost, I could sense, a little afraid that she wouldn't do well. I said, you know, what matters most is that you try, you always try to do your best. And I said, if you succeed or fail, it doesn't matter so long as you, you try your hardest and keep trying. And, um, you know, uh, I just want to keep her enthused. You know, I'm just so glad she's she's willing to try so many different sports Uh so uh, I'm going to take that advice that you just said, and the next time we talk about it, I'm going to uh, tell her what you said. So I really appreciate it, Danny, and thank you so much for your time. I, I wish you uh, all the success in the world. I, I really admire your entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, uh, let's reconnect in the not-too-distant future so you can uh, bring us up to speed here on Sports Money. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. 
He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.